What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Let me start with Brandon Ingram. What have you made of his game so far in your weeks with him? Uh, you know, this is the year, uh, you know, for him. I believe in him. I know what his, uh, what his abilities are, just being around him for these, you know, few, few first few weeks. And, uh, you know, every big shot we needed, every play we needed, he made it down the stretch. And, uh, you know, I love seeing his growth. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where if you listen close enough, that little pitter-patter of water you hear in the distance, that's becoming louder and louder. Well, that's the sound of a young Drip Kang ready to take the league by storm. Tommy, as you know, we have been known to be experts in urban street vernacular on the show. And so with that being very clearly established by our listeners, I wanted to dissect the term Young Drip King. So I ask you now, what is a Young Drip King? And if you had to use context clues, what do you think it means with regards to Brandon Ingram? Uh, young Drip King means like, you know, an individual who, you know, is, is relatively young compared to most people that he's surrounded by. He's, you know, super slick. That's why he's dripping. Like, he's so slick. Like, you can't get a hold of him. He's always just slipping and sliding all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, if I if I have to be like semi serious, I know this isn't really a serious question, but if I have to be semi serious, uh, I don't really. Everybody says drip all the time. I'm like, the only people I follow on Instagram are Lakers players, and uh, they're always saying this kind of stuff. And I don't know what it actually means. I might 
just using social context, my guess is that it, it's like something to do with like style and swag and like the way their dress is, you know, cool or I don't know what they're, what it, what mm-hmm. it is, but something along those lines. So B.I. is the young drip king because, you know, his fashion's always on point and, uh, you know, he's just a, he's just a cool guy with a lot of swag and, and he's the young king, you know, LeBron's the king and, and he's Simba. Well, LeBron pretty much knighted him this past week, especially after that game where he went off for 31 points against the Sacramento Kings. Um, I think for me, and who needs Urban Dictionary when you got the Lakers Legacy podcast just doling out and spewing out this relevant information on the lingo that's going on in the streets these days. But for me, Young Drip King, I think it means he's dripping with, kind of like what you said, but in the basketball sense, dripping and oozing swag. Alan also gave some input on this. He said B.I. is dripping that juice, <laughs> that that potential juice. Got the sauce. He's got the sauce, and it's it's dripping and oozing all over him. I think between Young Drip King and Little Mofo for Josh Hart, I think the Lakers' young core is assembling quite a crop of new interesting nicknames this season as we enter into era LeBron. So it'll be interesting to see what we come up with uh if Zoe gets a new nickname or if Kyle Kuzma gets a new nickname as well as knighted by LeBron James. Uh, but yes, here we are about a week and change before the start of the Lakers regular season. Uh, I'm Jonathan Hernandez, your host. I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Alan's not here with us tonight. Uh, but on this episode, we're here to recap the Lakers last three games. Any good trends, bad trends we've seen Um, some narratives that have caught our eye in the midst of everything. And we're here to pretty much just gear up for the regular season and outline what we'd like to see out of the Lakers close to this preseason. Um, But before we get to that, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many times it'll take inbounding player A to actually get the ball past Young Drip King's long-ass arms, before it inevitably gets stolen away by B.I. and the Lakers bench virtually runs along the sideline with him. Because that's what happened to, what's his name? That couldn't get the ball in bounds? Mr. Mitsaga, that dude. Ah, Cameron Reynolds. There you go. That's the guy's name. (laughs) Good old Cammy Reynolds. Good old Cammy Reynolds, who's apparently aged 118, according to NBA.com, because that's how long it's taken him to get the ball in bounds against Young Jip King's arms. Uh, (laughs) Way. Hey, so please rate and review us on iTunes. Speaking of rating interviews, tonight we have impressionist extraordinaire Tommy Alexander to read our iTunes review, and tonight he will be reading it as unnamed future Lakers traditional center X. So unnamed future Lakers traditional center X, whenever you're ready, take it away. This review is entitled Top Notch by Zach Noble. Mm. These guys are as good as it gets when it comes to the Lakers. Bring personality and intelligence every ear desires. Eargasm. Hey, that was amazing. Thank you, Zach Noble, for that great review. Tommy, what went into your beautiful channeling of unnamed future Lakers center X? Uh, I felt like you sounded just like him and definitely got his uh, vibrant essence down. So how'd you do that and what went into your channeling? Try to imagine a player who's like overall not really a great basketball player, but is very big and can take up some space because... 
there are certain teams in the NBA who could use something like that. Like who? And he knows it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, for example, I uh, like the Lakers. Oh, cool. Well, very well read. Yes, please rate and review us on iTunes. In all seriousness, if you enjoy the show, rating and reviewing us on iTunes is the best way to help us. Outside of actually maybe donating a buck or two to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Yeah, one day I hope that this show is more financially viable and, and that if it if it does become a little more financially viable, it'll allow us to expend more time and energy into it um, so that we can pump out more episodes throughout the week. Right now, I think we're only good for maybe once a week, maybe twice on special occasions, especially after the first game or so. Just because we're so busy, all of us have all of our different schedules and we all work a regular 9 to 5, although I put that in quotes because we typically work more than that. Um and we, we definitely rely on the good vibes and affirming words of our listeners to keep us going. So, uh, yeah, just rate and review us on iTunes. It helps us gain more traction and, and more visibility on the iTunes charts and podcast charts in general. So thank you to those who have recently been doing that. And we will continue to read more with more characters and impersonations to come. Yay. Uh, with that said, quick Yay. Lakers news. <laughs> um, Lonzo Ball has been practicing fully the whole last week, and now Yay. he seems primed to make his 2018-19 Lakers debut on Wednesday against the Golden State Warriors. LeBron's been saying that he looks like he's never been injured, and everyone says he's got a hop and a pop in his step, so that's definitely encouraging to hear. Hoppity poppity flip floppity. <laughs> <laughs> You're on something tonight, which is great. Come uh, <laughs> on, one. But uh, yeah, Lonzo Ball will definitely be a welcome addition and amplifier to everything the Lakers are trying to do here, and we'll get into more get into more detail on that in a bit. Also, unfortunate news: Josh Hart suffered a hamstring injury and is apparently questionable for tomorrow, and they yeah. may even just uh, sit him out for the rest of the preseason, which is fine. They but also a little should, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a little disappointing since he was just hitting his stride, but... Yeah, but hamstrings, like, you can't you can't F with that mess. Like, that's the kind of stuff that Chris Paul, ha- like, has happened to mm. him every single year, and he ends up sitting out, like, three months. So that's true. Hopefully it's not a torn hamstring. That would be worst case. Hopefully he just, like, strained it and he can rest for a week or two. Yeah, I know there's this ongoing joke with the Lakers um, health guy, <laughs> Mark Nunez or whatever, because he always Marco. seems to take the... Marco? Yeah, Marco Nunez, because he always seems to take the uber ultra conservative approach to things. But I think with regards to the heart, it's okay. As long as he's ready for the regular season, let's go. Um, so yeah, with that said, tonight's agenda, we're going to give our general thoughts and overview of the last three games and talk about any overarching themes and topics of note we like to highlight. Also going to talk about the return of Lonzo Ball and his impact, uh, the need for a big body slash big man, and Kyle Kuzma's role so far in the preseason and whether or not we feel like he's been put in a position to succeed. Then we're going to get into some Lance Dance talk, Dance Stevenson, if you will. And uh, there's an interesting narrative going on about Lance Stevenson, and I can't believe that it's a topic of contention, but it is. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we'll end our show also talking about I titled this segment Contempt for Bontemps, or I guess if you want to rhyme it, Contempt for Bontemp. Uh, Tim Bontemps and Chris Mannix and their uh, their Lakers are not going to make the playoffs brigade and parade that they've been uh, bandying about this offseason. We're going to talk about them. and the goons. Uh, the, they are goons indeed. And uh, yeah, we'll get to that segment at the end. Uh, but first, let's talk about the last three games. 
because we haven't we haven't spoken since then. Obviously, the big one to talk about is the Lakers win against the Kings. We were at the game, had our own suite. Thanks, Tommy. Uh, B.I. and the bench were lit for that game. Shout out to Pete Zayas at Laker Film Room for taking time away from his high roller suite, brushing it up with all these famous people to hop into our much smaller empty suite and just chill with us a bit and and shoot the shit. Uh, It was a fun game. We did not think it would be as exciting as it ended up being. Uh, B.I., Kuzma, Josh Hart got inserted at the end of the game there, and that's when Brandon Ingram was able to pretty much ignite everyone, including the bench, with his awesome defensive effort. But also, he just showed a lot of flashes on the offensive end as well, scoring 31 points. So that was a very fun game. And then we had the Clippers game on Saturday, which was a a little bit lackluster. Uh, LeBron didn't play that one. So yeah, Tommy, without going, I guess, into too much detail of the last three games, I guess just generally... What's kind of caught your eye and what do you want to bring to the table in terms of discussion right now based off of any trends you've seen, good or bad? Uh, the main thing that jumps out to me is Brandon Ingram, just overall. Um, there was a point maybe a month ago or, you know, at some point during the offseason, I said, if things, if everything clicks and kind of works the way we're expecting and hoping it to work, um, Brandon Ingram, or look, we... I, we will be a top four team in the West if everything works, right? And if we're a top four team in the West by around the All-Star game, it's very likely that we will have more than one more than one All-Star. I mean, very often those teams do. Like, not always, but I think more often they, they tend to have more than one All-Star. And obvious one is LeBron, but who's going to be that second guy? We were wondering this, like, the whole time. And B.I. didn't just wait for that role to kind of come to him. He is, like, taking it. You know, he looks mm-hmm. super, super confident out there. He looks like a veteran. He's just making decisive moves. I mean, you still see, like, flashes of... It's funny, like, before flashes were like, oh, flashes of what he can become. And now <laughs> I feel like flashes are, oh, flashes of kind of, like, it reminds you that he's still 21. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's like that's the exception now is when he, he shows you... Yeah, it's flipped. Exactly. So he just is... He's been making all the right plays. Um, he's handling the ball with confidence. He's playing defense much more aggressively. He's looking to score much more assertively. When he is out there with LeBron, this does not in any way remotely feel like, you know, the old Lakers where we had one star, Kobe, surrounded by a bunch of mediocre guys, and all those guys would kind of stand around watching him. B.I. is, like, not one of those role players, right? It's like he is a top-two pick. He's here to be a star, and he's not waiting for LeBron. He's just taking it himself, and and I really respect that. Um, And, yeah, he's just really, really, really impressed me this preseason so far, and I'm I'm super happy with with, uh, what I've seen. Yeah, I think he's shown us two sides of the coin, too, where he's not only playing one role, because we've seen how how well he plays off of LeBron and other guys as well, just being the off-ball dude, cutting, uh, running the break. But in the Sacramento game, we also saw just a more confident offensive player who was taking dribble step-back 
mid-range jump shots with centers flying at him and just draining them, just draining them as if he's always done it before, you know? Very cool, calm, and collected. Uh, he did that against Marvin Bagley. I mean, we saw it in, in person. I was like, what the heck? It's, it, it looks like and, he's done that his entire life. And it wasn't even, like, just that he was doing it. It's like he was doing it like it was any day. You know what I mean? He was yeah. doing it like it was a random Tuesday in the middle of the season. Like, no problem. I'm not even thinking about it. Not like... Oh, I get the ball and I kind of hold it and the whole crowd like builds with anticipation. He was just like a casual Tuesday at home, (laughs) you know, and he was just like taking it. It was awesome to watch. Yeah. And then on top of that, we see him just handling the ball in transition with such fluidity. And now he even more so now whenever he drives into the lane, just leveraging his length and knowing all the angles with which to scoop it up where defenders think they got him cornered, they got the shot blocked and B.I.'s like, nope, I still got one additional extra foot to flip up here that you won't be able to get to. I mean, he, he even made like a, a nice pirouetting reverse layup as well that I was like, oh, I didn't know he had that in his in his bag. And I think for me, the most surprising thing is just him looking like him being under control when he does these moves, you know, where in the past it looked like just a, f- a flailing mess of arms. But B.I. more so these days, these look like shots he's practiced before and look like shots that he's, if he hasn't mastered yet, he's going to master soon enough. And so I think that's the biggest takeaway for me, just like, like, like you mentioned, the confidence with which he is displaying this offensive arsenal. And if you want to bring up Kyle Kuzma in comparison, which I, I preface this statement by saying I'm not worried about him at all, but if just comparing the two, one guy seems to just want to try and show off everything and he's not sure if he's perfected it yet where the other guy it feels like he knows he can do this stuff so he's very relaxed in doing it if that makes any sense and obviously bi is a third year player so that factors into everything but it's just encouraging to see him i mean you just see the difference right now eventually i think both will level out but um yeah bi right now in the preseason he had a subpar game against the clippers only shot three of ten uh he did hit four of four free throws Um, His free throw shooting this preseason has been actually pretty good, especially the last two games. I think he's like 15 for 19 from from the stripe, which is really good. Um, B.I. this preseason in 25 minutes is averaging 15 points, 5 rebounds, 1.8 assists. And then on the defensive end, he's turning into that one steal, one block type player. And this is only in 25 minutes. He's got 1.5 steals and pretty much 0.8 blocks, so almost a block a game. Um, shooting 50%, 74% from the stripe. Um, one area of note would be, obviously, I wish he would take more three-pointers, but maybe it's just so easy for him right now to just pull up for a mid-range jump shot or get it all the way into the lane that the frequency will just naturally come. I don't know. And also, the offensive playbook has barely been opened yet, if at all. So that could factor into why BI hasn't taken as many threes, but... Yeah, he hasn't hit a three yet. He's only attempting 1.2. I would like to see that increase, obviously. But everything else he's doing from the transition play, the off-ball cutting play, to just taking it himself in isolation has been super, super encouraging. Um, Anything else on BI before we move on? No, I think uh, we covered it. Cool. Um, So I think for me, the thing that I would like to highlight would be... So let's talk about offense defense just in general so maybe i sort of uh i think the way that we assess things in the off season was looking at the lakers i think we maybe at least alan and i did assessed it in a very black and white static sort of way where we just viewed the lakers 
you know, 13th in defense, defensive efficiency rating last year and just said, all right, this is our floor. This is our baseline. You add LeBron, you add Rondo and Lance Stevenson, who, you know, their reputation is kind of the only things carrying them on the defensive end. And you add J- JaVale McGee to that mix. And naturally, we're just going to be better, right? I think that may have been a little oversimplified on our part. And and obviously, it's still just preseason, but I think we've seen some issues defensively with the Lakers Lakers players just getting beat, whether it's inside, getting beat by their their men, over-switching. It doesn't look like they're on the same page yet, which is totally natural and totally fine. But I think because of the fact that we're playing legitimate small ball and more so than we did last year, and also because I think we're playing at a much, much faster pace, which will naturally just increase possessions on both ends and an inc- increase the capacity for both teams to score more, I'm starting to think that the Lakers are going to be a little worse than league average this year. So maybe 15th in defensive efficiency. Um, that's still better than the Cavs were last year, by the way. The, the Cavaliers with LeBron James were 29th in defensive efficiency. Lakers, again, were 13th. And and now I, I think just based off of what I've seen and observed thus far of their defense and the way that they're, they want to play, and I think naturally things will get shored up. But right now there is... They're really bad at defensive rebounding. It seems like everybody, everybody's mindset is to leak out immediately the moment a shot goes up, that they're not boxing their men out correctly, or they're not properly fighting for position to get boards. And if they are, they're too small, like Kyle Kuzma. So I think, one, getting, a, getting another fresh big body will help that. I think just getting on the same page will help. But right now, if they continue with this all small ball lineup, I think their their defense will be hurt a tad bit by that. And also we've seen situations where I think LeBron one-on-one, even Lance Stevenson one-on-one, Josh Hart one-on-one. We have a lot of good one-on-one defenders. Um, but when it comes to team defense and off-ball defense, I think we're sorely lacking in that area. And so... I, I mean, I'm not saying that putting LeBron James on this team makes our defense worse, but obviously if LeBron's the help man, more times than not, I think he's going to preserve his body. So um, so I, I think I'm starting to veer towards the, the notion that maybe we might be slightly worse defensively. Um, on the flip side of that, I do think the good news is I think the Lakers will be will be much better offensively than they were last year. The Lakers last year were 24th in offensive efficiency, which I didn't think we were that bad, but apparently we were. And even though we played at such a high pace last year, we weren't efficient in doing so. And we, we talked about this on our on our podcast several episodes last year, just talking about how, yeah, we're running quickly, but we, we still are not doing a good job of converting or we're turning the ball over too much. Uh, we're not finishing these opportunities. But I think this year, even with how fast we're playing, which is even faster than last year, if you can believe it or not, I think the big differentiating factor, especially having LeBron in the fray as well as Rajon Rondo, the big differentiating factor here is that I think they'll be more efficient and they'll be able to convert at a much higher clip. So I think because of that, the Lakers offense will be much improved in that respect. Um, And even in, in the half court, I think in general, the ball movement and passing seems to be a primary focus for this team. So that should help our overall offensive efficiency, whether it's in transition with the hit aheads and the hockey passes, or even in the half court, once the offensive playbook slowly starts to get implemented. So I could see us dropping to maybe 14th, 15th in defensive efficiency, but I can also see us rising from 24th to 
who knows, maybe 13th in offensive efficiency while leading the league in pace and being more efficient at it. So, uh, Tommy, your thoughts on defense, offense, offense, defense. So I was trying to think back to like what we looked like last year because all I could remember generally was we looked really bad last year in preseason. And I'm Mm kind of trying to use that as a guiding post, right? I know it's different teams, different ages completely, different context and et cetera, et cetera. But it's still a team coming together under the same coach and, you know, half the players, to be honest, are like the same. Um, Last year... This was actually really surprising to me. In the preseason, we were 10th in the NBA in defensive efficiency. And that kind of carried into the season, right? I mean, for much of the regular season, we were top 10 in defensive rating. And we only really dipped to like 12 or wherever we ended up last year because, you know, B.I. missed like 30 games. Alonzo missed like 30 games, um, et cetera, et cetera. And and we kind of slipped a little bit because of that. Um Last year in offensive efficiency in the preseason, we were actually 31st because there was a team from China that was more efficient. (laughs) Wait, which one was it? That's hilarious. It's really funny. Um, (laughs) um, I I, I closed the window, so I unfortunately don't have the exact team, but it was a team from China. (laughs) They were better than us. Uh, that's great. So we were 30, 31st. This year, uh, I think like we've had two kind of dud games. So I, and obviously we've only played a total of, you know, four games or whatever. So first game, kind of like a fluke, you know, or not a fluke, but it's, you know, it's hard to compare us against most of the other teams in the NBA because they've played with each other. Um, second and third games, I thought we played great. And then last game, LeBron didn't play. It kind of felt like another like dud game. Um, so it's hard to say where we, where we stand with just our middle two games, which I think are more representative, but for the whole, uh, preseason, we're 24th. Um, so we're not amazing. And I think a huge part of that is, is because we don't execute in the half court, uh, that well, but I will say I, I think the two things are a little bit related. We execute so poorly in the half court, and I don't know if that's like uh, we haven't implement, implemented enough stuff yet, or you know what's going on. But we end up taking really awkward, like off balance shots at weird times in the shot clock, like usually when the clock is winding down, right? So the thing about the clock, like getting too deep into the clock, if you think about it, everybody knows when there's two seconds on the clock, whoever has the ball is going to shoot it. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. once that person shoots it and like, let's say I'm standing at the three point line, if I know I'm not going to be a factor in this rebound, I'm immediately running the other direction when I see that two seconds, you know, because it's like, you know that he has to shoot it. And so I feel like teams are like getting a step on us because we're, and like our floor balance is no good. Like we'll have three guys just like in the corner by like the three point line Mm -hmm. and somebody on the other side of the court takes a shot and then it's just like a sprint, but all three of our guys are like all starting from that corner. So, you know, those kinds of things are not helping us. And and I think those are maybe dragging down our ultimate numbers um, on both in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Uh, but you know, generally, where do I think the team is going to be? I think we actually could be a top 10 defensive team again, once everything comes together. I know the concerns with the small ball and 
frankly, I'm concerned uh, about it too a little bit, but I think eventually they'll figure it out, whether it's Zubots, whether it's signing somebody else, whether it's like, you know, accepting that maybe a couple of times it's just a fluke and you have to figure out like workarounds in specific scenarios. Like there's a lot of, a lot of things that could happen there, but I think we're better at so many other positions defensively um, that we will overall be a better t- uh, defensive team. And obviously offense 24th, I think is actually not indicative of where we're going to be. I could see us easily jumping from like we were 24th last year to at least like middle of the pack um, mm-hmm. this year, you know, because we don't shoot threes. Well, we will probably never be like a top five defensive efficient or offensive efficiency team. But um, I think we can get, you know, top half of the league to, you know, potentially late top 10. This is Mike from the almighty baller network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season. And that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Yeah, no, I mean, that's fair. I think with regards to the small ball thing, I think just because of, I feel like we're overcompensating to help out the dude who's getting crushed in, in the post, and mainly Kyle Kuzma. We're overhelping in other scenarios. And then on the offensive end, we're not really taking advantage of the fact that Kyle Kuzma has a center or power forward on him, I you know? I a thousand percent agree. That That is, on both ends, you're right. And I think... Especially on the defensive end, if if you think about it, I feel like we never helped or like we very, very rarely helped on the post. We would tend to just like prefer to leave our guys out on islands and not give up threes and stuff. And it feels like this year, like you said, they're kind of overcompensating. It it feels like often in cases it two or three guys are kind of looking in the direction of the ball and, and instead of like paying attention to their man and I th- that's throwing things off. And like you said, it's Kyle Kuzma has a slow-footed center on him. Kyle Kuzma should be initiating the offense from the top of the key. And they should be playing more pick-and-roll with him and Brandon Ingram, which when they finally did in the Kings game, we were like, oh my god, Kyle Kuzma got a pick-and-pop three-pointer that he hit easily, you know? And then he'll be able to break his man off the dribble if he wants to as well. So I think they should run more pick-and-roll between the wings. That would especially take advantage of that mismatch. Um, And on, on the defensive end, yeah, like three guys seem to be overhelping in the post and trying to get the rebound uh, because they know they got to help out even more so, the smaller dude. And then the other two guys are leaking out already. So their guards, if, if they get an offensive rebound, are ready to just lay it in or cut to the basket. You know what I mean? So it's like two different sides of the coin. But right now, it seems like everybody's kind of disconnected right now, where you got guys who need to, to overhelp and overcompensate for the lack of size and then trying to just get the rebound, and then two or three other guys who, when they see the ball go up, I'm racing, I'm going down, you know? But then that leaves us vulnerable to the fact that the other team can get an offensive rebound, and then the guards just have a free-for-all in the lane, you know? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they shore that up, and maybe it's as simple as just getting another big man or just being better about the ways that they toe the line between helping, not helping, still being vigilant on getting rebounds and 
not being so leak out happy. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that's one thing that will be interesting to monitor on the defensive end. Um, okay, so let's speed up the pace a little. Tommy, what do you think about, I guess, it, along the same lines, um, the need for a big body slash big man? I think before the season started, I took a lot of offense to people saying, oh my God, the Lakers are going to get it crushed on, on the defensive rebounding end. Um, and I was like, excuse me, excuse me, do you know how many rebounding guards and wings we have? <laughs> so I think I overvalued the Lakers having such a variety of guards and wings who rated very highly in the defensive rebounding uh, percentage and advantage. Um, but I realized at the end of the day, these guys are all six, five to six, eight, and they all need to get into position to rebound the ball. So even though in their careers, they've all averaged around five to seven rebounds, which is great. Uh, it's a whole nother deal having to guard like a power forward and center and just help a team teammate out in that respect as well. Um, and like I mentioned, most of them are leaking out. So, so I guess, what are your thoughts on the need for a big body and, and big man right now? And do you think the Lakers will try and, and fill that need sooner rather than later? So I think on the first thing, I actually disagree I, on the, on the rebounding thing. I think mm-hmm. that we actually are going to be a pretty good rebounding team. There are some things that we kind of forget and I'm not trying to make excuses, but we haven't had a winning team for so long and like elite level players for so long that you kind of forget certain things like namely LeBron James is playing like 40% speed right now. You know what 30%, I mean? Like, 30%. 30%. Exactly. Like 30%. Like he's not trying to get hurt. He's like smart. Like sometimes you think about this guy and it's like, wow, how has he played, you know, knock on wood, right? But how has he played so many seasons and not really had any major injuries? Like he'll, he won't play 82 games, but usually very typically it's not because of injury. Um, it's, it's because of rest or, you know, something else. So the the way he's able to do that is he's really, really smart about when to take contact and when it's necessary and when it's helpful and when it isn't. Even if, like, per 36, his rebounding numbers are very bad right now. I mean, he's playing 15 minutes a game, averaging three flat three rebounds a game. Um, you know, double that. You know, I know that's not how it works, but I'm saying, like, per 36, that's still not that great. And... uh that's going to improve significantly. I mean, this guy almost averages 10 rebounds a game, like for his career, right? So that'll increase. Um, I think guys will start leaking out quite as much eventually. So that'll help. Um, having Lonzo back, I mean, not to, again, not to be to death the rebounding guards thing, but I think having Lonzo back will help over a guy like Caruso or, you know, whoever we were running out there with the bench. Um, I, I don't think I don't think we need a big man for that kind of stuff, but I do think eventually our final roster spot, if you recall, we still have one spot open after we got rid of Dang. I think we will use that on, on the center. I don't think, we, though, that we'll use it sooner rather than later. I really, mm. really think that even if this team starts 10 and 10 after 20 games and everybody's freaking the F out, like maybe they entertain it at that point, but I really think we're going to wait until February or March because we know that this is a playoff team and, you know, we're not going to be concerned about what our record is maybe necessarily in December. Um, But, you know, we are going to wait until some of the top guys who are on, you know, one-year deals with their non-contending teams just get cut or waived or, 
you know, whatever they, they have, sometimes they have talks with the team and they ask to be released, you know, whatever, however they want to do it. And we will, you know, have a open roster spot to snag somebody up and our spot is going to be very desirable. And we will have like the choice of whoever gets cut because they'll all want to play in LA and play with LeBron. So I, or some of those names, Tommy, some of those names, like, uh, off the top of my head, Dwayne Dedman, um, with the Hawks, he has one year left. And he used to play with the Spurs, right? So he's playoff tested. He could solid defensive big man. Tyson Chandler. Yeah, Tyson Chandler with the Suns. Um, Robin Lopez with the Bulls. Joakim Noah. Joakim Noah. And again, not saying that these are people necessarily that we'd sign, but just to give the idea that there's going to be a lot of options. Um, so I definitely think they're going to wait. I, I don't think that they're in a rush to get that done sooner rather than later. Yep, that's fair. And hopefully Mo Wagner comes into the fray here, into the fold. And he looks good right now shooting three-point shots and uh, just warm-ups and stuff. But hopefully he can round into form and and get with the program with the rest of these guys. And and really, I mean, he has a a perfect opportunity right now if he wants to seize the moment and take advantage of it. Because Zubats is starting off slow with whatever illness or whatever he's been dealing with, which I guess you could say made him even slower than he already typically looks like. So, um so yeah, Mo Wagner hopefully gets back soon as well to help in that respect. Um, so I guess along the same lines of just needing a big and, 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 a, and a big body down there eventually, let's talk about Kyle Kuzma and his true position. Um, what have you thought about how he's been used um, this season? Obviously, we thought that he'd play some four because he played a lot of four last year, but we thought he'd be more interchangeable between the three and the four. And we never expected that he'd be playing small ball five. And I think for me, after seeing, you know, four games of this, um, we heard all off season about how Kyle Kuzma has been working on his body, how he gained 15 to 20 pounds of muscle. He definitely looks stronger. He looks more cut. He looks faster, more athletic, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like all of a sudden, not to say it's like too much of a curveball, but it's kind of a curveball. I think how he's been used right now, having to play small ball five, I think it's been a how he's being used has been a detriment to him and him even just showcasing everything that he's worked on this summer and just trying to uh, avoid that sophomore slump. Because right now the Kyle Kuzma we see is one who's over eager. He's super antsy. He just wants to show off everything he's worked on. But you throw in this kind of curveball of, hey, now you're going to play small ball five and you've, you've worked on your body, right? So you're ready for this. I feel like just throwing that into things, and not to say Kyle Kuzma doesn't have the capacity to do this, but in a sense, I feel like it's messed with his mojo a little. Um, I feel like he's expending so much energy trying to hold his own in the post that it's taken him away from being able to say, just even show off his perimeter defense if that's what he's worked on this summer, which I think it has been. And it's even just taken energy away from him to be a little more free to be in tune and engage in other aspects of his game, whether that's other aspects of the defensive end or just offensively as well. And I think it's psyching him out a little bit. Um, I feel like eventually they just need to slot him back at the four or the three where he is able to utilize his newfound strength, you know, in a way making him taking what he worked on this summer in terms of gaining, having these solid gains. And then all of a sudden making him a small ball five almost nullifies that strength. If that makes sense, because I always thought that strength was going to be used against fours against threes, where he'd really be able to take advantage of them in the post, because that's another area 
that he really worked on this summer with with Kobe Bryant, you know, uh, footwork moves in the post and just gaining that skill and learning to hone in on that even more. Uh, but now he's having a post up like fours, you know, I don't even know why he's posting up at all, to be honest with you. <laughs> he should just be t- taking them off the dribble with pick and rolls. But anyways, um, so yeah, I think just where he's been slotted, I think right now has, has been a detriment to him. And I kind of take that into account when assessing his overall sort of uh, up and down play this preseason. So I don't think it's even necessarily all his fault. I know he's been super over eager to show off everything he's been working on, but I think him having to play a new position has kind of factored into all of that. So I don't know where you stand on, on, on that point. Yeah, with Kuzma, it's weird. I, I feel like his first two games, he just looks so blah um, that it's it's kind of tainted the well a little bit. Like, he, against the Kings, actually had a very solid game. Um, it's just he had three turnovers. Same thing against the Clippers. He had a really solid game. Um, he hit a couple threes, but, you know, defensively, I thought he looked really, really bad at times. So he just hasn't really put together a full game yet, but I actually don't think he's played that poorly. Like, there is going to be an adjustment for him into his new role. Um, He was, like, our best player last year overall, and he played plenty of games that Ingram didn't play in. So we were just relying on, okay, we got to get the ball to Kuzma, and he better score over 20 or else we're going to have no chance to win. And now he is playing off the bench, you know, playing in a new offensive role, playing in a way different defensive role than he's used to, um, trying to show stuff that he improved on, um, trying to be a little bit more of a playmaker. I mean, in limited minutes in the first three games, he had two assists, two assists, three assists. And I mean, we recall many games last year where he had like zero or one assist in an entire game, you know. So he's trying to like show off that stuff a little bit, but, and I don't know if this is coaching or if this is him or if it's a combination of both, but I I think you kind of alluded to this, but like one, I I, I don't think that he's being put in a very good position to succeed, but I don't know if it's like a mojo thing or literally like a, you know, X's and O's strategy Mm. thing, you know, like, are they both? Yeah, it could be both. It's like, are they telling him, hey, you're getting totally punked on the other side. You know, it might help if you tire your guy out a little bit by, you know, getting the ball at the top of the key and taking him, you know? And and if he's going to give you room, you have to hit the jumper over his head. And if you're able to do that, like, theoretically, Kuzma should just be raining jumpers on these guys. I mean, you mentioned it when we went to that Kings game. It's And that game, he played 31 minutes. He attempted three threes. Like, if we're going to play this, like, up-tempo, high-efficiency offense, yeah, he has to make the threes. But you got to attempt more than three threes if you're, if you're being guarded by, like... I mean, you know the Kings' big men. They have like a hundred of them, dude. And none of those big men are trying to get out on the perimeter and guard you. Or Some of them are, but most of them are not, right? So, like, you have to use that to your advantage and shoot over them from outside. And three, Or break them off from the outside. He's playing like off, a... Like, do something is the point. He, he, you're well, right he's playing like a traditional four on offense, all of which sudden, doesn't make sense. Which makes no sense because he didn't even do that last year. So that's what I'm saying, like... 
is he just trying to get to spots in the post so he can practice his like post foot footwork he worked on? Like maybe he's just that far ahead, or is he? You know, is he confused because now he's too he's getting too lit and he's like too excited to show off all his new moves? He's just doing everything. I mean, I will say one thing: if we can recall last year, Brandon Ingram got off to a horrid start. I think in like the six preseason games, he had a couple decent games, but to the season. He played really, really poorly um, shooting the ball in the beginning, and that's when we all were like, oh, God, Kuzma's going to be, like, actually our next star. But I I think – I don't know if I'll call it a sophomore slump, but there definitely is this thing, and Luke talked about it a lot with BI last year, that these guys are so excited to show what they worked on. And you can tell if you follow them on social media, to show what they worked on over the summer. And Kyle Kuzma looks like he's playing it. 120 speed, you know, like, or 1.2x speed. He's just going, like, too fast and and out of control. Um, And that's what B.I. looked like last year at the beginning. And then now you look at B.I. as a third-year player, and he's so, like, poised. And I think Kuzma is a quick learner. He's also age-wise older than B.I. I think he'll get there easily at some point this season. So I'm not super concerned. Yeah, same. And if there was ever a time to work out the kinks for Kuzma, get the psyching himself out stuff out of the way, it's now. And I mean, at the end of the day, he is still leading, sadly, for this team. Uh, He is our highest three-point maker at 1.5, shooting at a decent clip, 35%. But I think if he just increased his his shot attempts in that respect and just volume, that would probably be at 37%. But for Kyle Kuzma, I mentioned in the Kings game too, I was like, this team needs to get reps in just shooting that shot because we don't have good enough shooters to just not shoot any threes in the first half of a game and then all of a sudden in the third or fourth quarter be like, hey, I think it's time to take a three, right, guys? And it's just like, right. we don't have those types of shooters. We need the reps, you know? I think once we get the reps and increase the frequency, open up the playbook a little to actually have, you know, down screen set for guys to pop out, I think that's when we'll be able to be a more well-rounded team offensively and not just be, we're just whizzing up and down and that's our only source of offense, pretty much. Just a bunch um, of wizards. Bunch of wizards, Washington wizards. Um, but uh, <laughs> Kyle Kuzma, even with all that said, is still averaging 13.5 points, uh, four rebounds, almost two assists a game, 83% from the stripe, only shooting 41%, but again, he's still working out the kinks. Um, I think he'll be fine in the long run as well, and I think a new positional role would suit him very well. Uh, and I, I don't think he'll be playing a lot of small ball five, but we'll see. I don't know. Um, with that said, let's transition to Lance Stevenson. And with this talk on Lance Stevenson, I think it will just naturally tie into the return of Lonzo Ball and the impact that Lonzo could bring. Um, so, Tommy, I didn't think I'd have to talk about this. And <laughs> I didn't want to focus on Lance Stevenson because it's not like we love this guy. But speak for yourself. <laughs> Dan Stevenson. Um, so we were at the game. We got to experience the uh, the Lance Lance revolution in person. Good lord, and is it fun? Is it fun? And, I, and sometimes when I go on Twitter and I see other people's tweets on this, I'll, I all of a sudden feel guilty for actually enjoying myself. And, you know, some people will say, oh, you guys are just laughing at Lance Stevenson because he's hilarious and you know he'll do something stupid. I mean, it's partially that. We're doing it so... We're, we're like, smiling semi-ironically. But when we were at the game, we're like... 
when he came in, he changed the energy of the team. You know, we were a little sluggish. And then all of a sudden, the pace picked up. I know the pace numbers don't necessarily bear that out. But also keep in mind the context of the types of dudes that Lance Stevenson is playing with out there for the most part. But he really knows how to energize the crowd. He knows how to energize his teammates. And in transition, he's been lethal. And I posted this on Twitter right now in terms of PER... And PER, in uh, very layman's terms, is pretty much everything you do well on the offensive end minus everything you do poorly. Turnovers, missed shots, etc. How efficient you are offensively. Lance Stevenson is second in PER behind LeBron James. LeBron James has a 33.5 PER, which is freaking ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) And that's him going like 30%. Yeah, and his true shooting percentage is at 72%, which is crazy. Um, So LeBron at 33.5, and then Lance Stevenson is second with Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 18.9. Brandon Ingram shortly after at 18.4, and Rondo with 18.4 as well. But all that to say, it's not like I'm saying Lance Stevenson is even good. I'm just saying he's not terrible. And the discourse I've been seeing on Twitter about this guy makes it seem like we just signed Vander Blue or Jabari. What's that Jabari guy's name that we used to play um, in some preseason uh, who was Jordan Clarkson's friend? Jabari Bird? Jabari Bird. Is it, people are acting like we got Jabari Bird out there or the second coming of Tyler Ennis plus Corey Brewer fused together to form the worst bench player we've ever seen in our life. And even seeing it in person, I'm just like, I'm not sure what necessarily we're watching. I can contextualize things and obviously say that there's going to be a regression coming for Lance Stevenson's shooting percentage, even his lack of turnovers right now. He holds the third highest assisted turnover ratio behind LeBron and Rondo. I think there's that's going to regress. But even taking all that into account, for me, I'm just like, he hasn't even played that bad. If we even want to use the that phrase, he hasn't played that bad. In, in, in certain contexts, he's just played good, you know? I know that people do not like the way that he plays in terms of he's a ball stopper. He pounds the ball a lot, even when he gets assists. Um, He's pretty much what we thought Rondo would be coming into this team. Just a guy who would assist Hunt, but dribble the ball for, you know, 18 seconds or so. And Lance Stevenson has done that here and there. Um, His shot selection obviously is a little wishy-washy. The only difference is he's been making it. So he's shooting about 50% from the field right now in this preseason. 48% actually. Even with all that said, I just don't feel like he's played as badly as people have made him made him out to be this preseason. Like I said, second in PER, third in assist percentage. Regardless of how he's getting these assists, right? Whether it looks aesthetically pleasing or not, he's still at least passing the ball and keeping his turnovers low. For me, most especially, the biggest thing that you can say will probably translate, even if you think he's going to regress in shooting, regress in keeping his turnovers down, etc., is his ability to push the ball in transition. He gets the rebound. He has those really nice hit-aheads to people, even on hockey assist attempts. Um, The other thing is he's really fast with the ball in his hands, and he really puts pressure on the defense. In the half court, he also puts pressure on the defense because all that fancy dribbling, which a lot of times seem unnecessary... I also think he's hypnotizing the defense and they have no idea when he's going to put on that, put on his afterburners and, and take one quick first step into the basket and show his adeptness at finishing, which he has done really well this preseason. I know what his advanced stats look like the last three years. 
I just don't know why people are automatically projecting that onto him right now when in the present, he hasn't been that bad. Um, And I'd almost feel like there's just an irrational discourse on this dude, even before he's even stepped onto the court, where people are just mining for negative things to say about Lance Stevenson. And thus far, a majority of it has been mostly positive, even just shots going in. And so people have found ways to diminish even those positives and amplify any negatives they see. And so I just wanted to get your thoughts on this Lance Stevenson dynamic. And again, it, we don't. it's not like we love the guy. It's not like we're even saying he's good. For me, I'm just pleasantly surprised is the word I would use. Because right now, we are getting the Lance, the, the better, the best version of Lance Stevenson we could have asked for. I don't know what people were expecting when we signed Lance Stevenson, but he's playing how Lance Stevenson has always played. Luke Walton, Magic Johnson, LeBron James, and Lance Stevenson himself have already said that when he was brought to the Lakers, they told him to be Lance Stevenson. And he is being born, Mr. Born Ready, and he's being the best version of himself. I'm, uh, sadly, this is the best version, but yes, he's keeping his turnovers low. He's shooting well. He's at least passing the ball. I don't care if he's pounding the ball. He's at least sucking in the defense and pitching it out to guys. And more so, I think a majority of his passes have come in transition, which is what we need and which is what we like. We always talk about the 48 minutes of hell, and Lance Stevenson actually helps continue that and maintain that. So I don't understand why people are looking for this guy to fail at every turn and every second. In, in a lot of ways, it almost mimics the way that people look at him personally or, or look at his personal life, where they're taking something from eight years ago, taking that, hanging it over him and making a, a judgment call on his character now. And anything he does, it doesn't matter because of what he did prior. You know, I feel like that's that his personal life is almost a microcosm of how people view him on the basketball court. They don't like the way he plays. They think it's too ball hoggy. And so that kind of colors and mires their perception of him where they where you see a guy who is averaging almost 10 points three rebounds three assists one steal only 1.5 turnovers shooting 80 percent from the free throw line 48 percent from the field and you could you could act like this guy is the worst player on the team and he doesn't afford any we can't afford to have him on the court I think just the extreme reaction is why I'm so kind of uh, concerned and bent out of shape out of this or bent out of shape with regards to this topic, because it's just so far left field for me that that. Yeah. Anyways, I've gone on too long, Tommy. What are your thoughts on uh, Dan Stevenson? This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Dan Stevenson. Okay, so I frankly, and I and I told you this earlier, but I, I frankly thought that you were overreacting a little bit, you know, because I was watching the games, like, I'm very involved, not very involved, but I'm very active, I guess, looking at Lakers Twitter, but I, I guess I haven't seen the depths of it, you know what I mean? And I'm not exposed to that. I'm, I'm When I say Lakers Twitter, I mostly mean, like, the main pod, pod people out there. And like the beat writers, you know, 
Um, so I was like, who, who is he, this guy talking about? Like, why would anybody... I just couldn't even fathom why anybody would have any problem with the way Lance Stevenson has played so far. And then I started seeing more and more stuff, and, like, you showed us some stuff, and I was like, oh, my God, people are actually getting offended by this. And it's just mind-blowing to me. We brought, like you said, a hundred times, and, like, everybody associated with the organization is that we brought Lance to be Lance. Um, what he does brings energy to the building. It brings energy to the whole second unit. And this fool is not going to be playing. I mean, it's preseason. He's playing 20 minutes a game because, you know, they're, KCP is like, uh, they're not trying to play KCP a ton. Um, Lonzo Ball has been out. Rondo took a game off that one game. Um, they haven't been playing Svi that much. Like, you know, these are all factors that, uh, you know, the other forwards on the team have not been playing as many minutes as they're going to play. Once you start factoring all those things in, you would expect Lance's minutes to even go down from here, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's really not going to be on the court that much. And when he's out there, he's going to be out there to, like, muck stuff up on defense. Like, again, like you said, I know the metrics haven't looked great for him. You know, sometimes situations are, you know, different too. But all I'm saying, and I know this isn't the indicator of, of you know, defensive competency, right? But... He's getting about a steal a game in his minutes so far in the summer in the preseason, and that those things are like igniting the fast break and and like you know although he's averaging three assists per game, he's getting more hockey assists. He's moving the ball. Does he hold the ball sometimes? Yes, but there's a difference between being a ball stopper and not to use an example of somebody on our own team, but like Michael Beasley, for example. Like, being a ball stopper, because when the ball gets to you, Carmelo Anthony, another good example, it's like the ball gets to you, and your first instinct is to, like, you're too slow to make a decision. You can't just either shoot or pass it or do something off the dribble. You just kind of hold it, and you're methodical, and you're but you're solely focused on yourself. And I think Michael Beasley, guys like Carmelo Anthony, those are guys who are historically are true, quote-unquote, ball stoppers, because... Their offense, you know, score it first. Lance Stevenson, to the extent he is, quote-unquote, stopping the ball, he's doing it with good intentions to, like, make a play for a teammate, usually. You know, so far, what he's shown in the preseason, he's not doing it to take, like, a horrible low-percentage shot. Honestly, even when he does it to take his own shot, it's because he's out there with four scrubs or four, maybe not scrubs, but guys like... KCP, who's not going to create his own shot for himself. You know, tons of guys we have on Jonathan Williams, Zubats. These are guys that are not going to create their shots for themselves. Even Spee at this stage in his career. And Lance is often out there with these types of guys. So he has to take it. You know what I mean? It's like we would have killed for somebody like this last year. And in fact, we got somebody like this in IT who... Despite all the love he got, he was putting up worse numbers than... I know it's like preseason, so it's hard to compare, but efficiency-wise, IT shot like 38% in the games he played for us. Well, I mean, just even talking about Jordan Clarkson, we kind of pseudo-had a player like this, and Lance Stevenson, at least you know, unlike Jordan Clarkson, can actually break his man off at any time and get to the basket with efficiency and finish a shot, you know? Yeah. And more so than Jordan Clarkson, he's much better in transition. He sees lanes and makes reads that Jordan Clarkson could never even dream of. No, not even <laughs> close. I mean, to compare him to Jordan Clarkson, I think, is, like, embarrassing because Jordan Clarkson is a solid guard, but 
he is looking out for himself. You know, he's like a score first. And I don't know. I've, maybe I didn't realize this was Lance's, if he had this reputation, but Lance is a, is a pass first guard and he plays that way. And all you know, he takes, yeah, he took, he's averaging seven shots a game, which is no more than really anybody else, even McGee. So maybe that's too many shots for some people. I don't know. I feel like his mentality is so pass first. Um, People are acting like it with him. It's like the me, me, me show. And I have not seen that at all. So it's just been so perplexing. Well, I think it's more like ball hogging passing, you know, where it was kind of like those nights when Kobe, you knew Kobe wanted to get that triple double or even like Russell Westbrook, like, right. So, you know, he's hunting for those assists. And I don't know. I, I guess I just, I don't view it as hunting because like that, I guess that implies that we have an offense in place, which I sure. don't think we okay, really do. Fair. You know what I mean? I think a lot of the time, especially in the preseason and especially because we have so many vets, I think we're ending up in situations where everything clearly breaks down to anybody with a brain who's on the court and Lance just kind of has to do something. Right. And he's the only one who's aggressive enough and assertive enough to get the ball. And you see the guys, he, I mean, we saw it. He was playing out there with KCP and Josh Hart, and people are saying that Lance Stevenson is nullifying KCP and Josh Hart. Well, guess what? Josh Hart and KCP are actively giving him the ball. Yeah. You know, if you're going to blame someone, blame the lack of a playbook yet, blame his teammates who, you know, would probably know basketball better than we do and would probably know their own skill sets better than we do, who are actively giving this guy the ball to initiate it, for better or for worse. That's going to be my statement for Lance Stevenson, right? For better or for worse. Although right now it seems like people are just saying, worse, 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 he can't do anything right. And for me, that's when it's just too extreme because it's not even remotely close to what reality is. If you want to say, okay, I see some good flashes, but I think things will regress and I just don't like the way he plays, like that's fair, you know? But when people don't even credit his transition play and the oomph that he gives on that end, that's when I know there's something more going on here. You know what I mean? Where you're just like muckraking, looking for confirmation bias of anything wrong he does. And for me, can you imagine if Lance Stevenson shot like KCP shooting right now? The, the stuff people would be saying yeah, if you I mean, if his shot actually wasn't getting crucified if he was getting more turnovers he wasn't shooting well i'm just like oh my god thank god you're actually getting the ball in the hoop because these people have it out for you from the outset you know like i get it he's wacky he has a mired past uh he hasn't contributed well in the advanced metrics the last few years but let's also just look at what we've seen on the court thus far and so far the the worst i can say is not that bad, you know, pleasantly surprised. And some people can't even say that. And at that point, I'm just like, okay, well, I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Cause we're already getting the best version of Lance Stevenson that we could have asked for. And we already know he's not going to get this many minutes. And I'm just like, I don't know if people just ignore contacts or Lance Stevenson last year. And especially, I mean, I would say for most of the season, but especially, especially, especially in the playoffs, was asked to be like basically the secondary creator. Yeah. yeah. On a team that took the eventual Eastern Conference champions to seven games in the first round. And he's going from that situation to a situation where now he's like the seventh option, you know, at best. You know, so it's like he. I know. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like the metrics sometimes don't tell the story, and I'm not 
trying to say that like I paid super super close attention to Lance Stevenson and watched like all the film or whatever, but I'm just saying that based on what I've seen and based on some of the metrics I've seen, I just feel like there's some disconnect happening here. You know what I mean? Like offensive efficiency, I'm not saying he's going to be as efficient during the season as he's been during the preseason. But I feel like his numbers must – there's something that's going on there, which is why I raised the fact that, you know, he's not the top – the guy who has to make something happen, and maybe that will improve his numbers a little bit. But even defensively, like, from what I've seen, he's he fights on defense. He's a dog. He gets his hands in passing lanes. And – he seems, he's just as bad as everyone else on off-ball defense right now, uh, which is what they need uh, to win. Yeah, if you're going to – that's why it's, like, so dumb to pinpoint him. Nobody – like, look at LeBron off the ball. You know, LeBron's not guarding anybody off the ball, you know? So it's, it's like, these are all things that are hard to – and I'm not saying, oh, just because everybody else is bad, that's fine that he's bad. I'm just saying that everybody else is bad and everybody else is not going to continue to be this bad. So there are things that are going to change there, too. Um and I just, yeah, I just don't get it. I, th- I think, like you said, a lot of it is his past, you know. It's kind of sad. It's just sad. It's like, look, what happened was obviously horrible if it, if, it, if it happened, right? So, and that's like nothing that you want to be associated with or you don't even want to even want to be, you know, associated with people who are associated with that kind of stuff. But um, as far as we know, it was just like an isolated incident. It happened like 10 years ago you know, nine years ago, who, you know, we can sit here and we can judge it and that's totally fair. But at the end of the day, who are we to be like the morality police and hold something like that against somebody for the rest of their life? Um, people make mistakes. I'm not here to judge whose mistakes are better or worse, you know, than other people's mistakes. Especially, you know, you don't want to get into the details or make any excuses right. or anything. It's it's obviously all horrible, but I'm also willing to, in certain circumstances, give people a second chance. And from everything we know, he's been like, with every organization he's gone to and with all the ups and downs he's had in his career on the court, he could have been a lot more of a head case than he has been and than what's been re- reported about him and how he's handled all these situations. And I think he's going to continue to be that way on this team, whether he's playing 20 minutes a game like he has been during the preseason or whether he's playing like 10 minutes a game, which is you know probably closer to what he's at, he'll actually average when the season starts. Yeah, and then on top of it, what matters the most is what his teammates are saying, how they feed off of him. What we we don't see what the teammates see in the locker room. We don't see how they feel with him on the court. And so far, LeBron James has said, I think this guy's going to be a fan favorite. I love the way he competes, the energy he brings. And, you know, at the end of the day, context matters like, you, like you've been saying and like, like you've been harping on. Right now, there aren't any offensive plays being implemented. And Lance is the exact type of player that you want on the floor who can create something out of nothing when... When, when, yeah, like there's no plays being implemented yet and the shot clock's down and other guys are pretty much spoon feeding him the ball because he's the most aggressive one and they know that he can initiate something. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll we'll leave it at that with regards, regards to Lance Stevenson. Even if you compare him to KCP, I made this comparison on Twitter and also at the game, but... KCP, I think, benefits, although I don't know how much longer he's going to benefit from this because I think people are starting to uh, jump off the KCP bandwagon too. But KCP, if you compare the two, benefits from just being 
KCP is like the shooting guard version of Lance Lance Nance, <laughs> Larry Nance Jr. And Lance Stevenson is like the shooting guard version of Julius Randle thus far in preseason, the way that they've played, right? Um, clearly, one guy has shown that he has more talent and skill than the other. Everything's going to regress to the mean. KCP is going to shoot better. He plays solid defense regardless of how his shot is going. Lance Stevenson is going to shoot worse and get turnovers, etc. But for the purposes of this preseason, Lance Stevenson reminds me of Julius Randle where his... He does, He's very erratic, right? He has high highs, he has very low lows, and anything he does wrong is more amplified because he's so flashy. KCP benefits from just literally doing nothing sometimes, you know? Um, <laughs> it's kind of like Larry Nance. He was a solid defender, and he just kind of just stood in the corner sometimes and got the offensive rebound and put back and whatnot. So people focus less on him. But man, KCP has been horrendous this preseason. The points that he has scored has come in transition, dude. I'm telling you. You're forgetting. You're forgetting. This guy is, for everybody, you know, who obviously wasn't with us watching the game the other night, this guy sat there while KCP scored nine consecutive <laughs> points right in front of our eyes. Yeah, like like six points of those were on transition, How and some you of those not were. Say this is one of the best players in the NBA. <laughs> um, I I just want to add really quickly yeah. on uh, on Lance. Um, you have to keep in mind everything here is contextual. This guy has is going to fill a very specific niche on this team, you know. So like he is going to be the guy where inevitably over the course of an eighty two game season there will be games where like. Ingram's energy is off or Lonzo's energy is off or Rondo's energy is off. And if there's an unfortunate incident where like all of those things happen at the same time and we need somebody to kind of like light a fire, he is those, you know, we have this guy for these purposes. He brings energy to the court. You know, that's not to say we're expecting him to be a 24 minute a game player. If he is for us, that means something has gone terribly wrong with somebody else and and probably our season. It's going to be very situational. And I think that's actually a huge uh, positive about Lance's. He doesn't seem like that's going to phase him at all. Like he seems like he would be totally fine with that. And even if he's not playing, you know, we'll give him a, a chance here, but like maybe he'll be the first one off the bench cheering. Well, and people have also been saying, like, he doesn't fit the culture of this team. He doesn't fit the motion offense, ball movement type style. And for me, it's like they didn't bring him in to necessarily fit in that in that respect. And if we're talking about that, he has fit in with regards to transition play. And hopefully when Lonzo Ball comes back, which is the perfect segue, he will be more off ball. He won't have the ball as much in his hands. Right now, he's being designated in that role. And at least in transition, you can say he does fit the way we want to play. In half court, no. He, you know, he, he does stop the motion of the offense. He does hold the ball too long. But we also needed a wild card like that. You know, if everybody just was like the same Lonzo Ball type player and couldn't break their man off the dribble the way that Lance can, I don't know if I'd like that any better. You know, at least Lance Stevenson is a wild card for better or for worse that can at any moment... Maybe it'll turn out to be a turnover, but so far, more oftentimes than not, we've seen him absolutely cross guys over and take it straight to the lane for foul shots or just making a layup, you know? And you need that sort of diversity in your offense just to have that spark plug type player. I don't care if he's a poor man's version of Lou Williams or a a poor man's version of IT or whatever the heck you want to call, but he's just a break-in-case-of-emergency type guy who can 
when the ball the ball movement's not working, guys are sluggish, like Tommy said. You just bring him in and you know he can do something for himself without necessarily having to rely on everybody else because they're all sluggish anyways and plays have broken down and people have lost confidence, you know? So that's it on Lance. Tommy, to close this show, uh, not going to get to the Chris Mannix bond temp stuff. I guess we'll save that for the next episode before the regular season. But quickly, Lonzo Ball coming back, how he's going to change things. We always want one of Rondo, LeBron, and Lonzo on the court. Obviously, for all the Lance haters out there, he will mitigate that Lance Lance revolution so Lonzo Ball will be more than a godsend to them for more for more reasons than one so yeah what do you think Lonzo Ball will bring coming back to the lineup and uh yeah oh man I'm super super excited to see Lonzo play especially if he plays with LeBron um it's gonna be weird because he only gets two preseason games so assuming he even plays both so like presumably in the first game he's just gonna look so weird and like rusty um but overall, I think Lonzo is going to just be another guy who is going to really push the pace and help us offensively. Rondo is averaging in 23 minutes a game, which is you know probably right around what he might average during the season, maybe slightly more. But he's averaging nine over nine assists in that amount of time. Um, and some of these lineups <laughs> he's playing with are super weird. Um, and he's playing with LeBron for like large stretches of that. So like LeBron theoretically, who averages, you know, nearly 10 assists, you know, or at least over seven assists per game for most of his career is, uh, he figures taking some of those. So mm-hmm. once you have Lonzo out there too, man, it's going to be crazy. I mean, I think this team could easily average over 25 assists, which I don't, I can't remember. I know the the standard is like the Warriors or something like 30. I can't remember off the top of my head what we were last year. Um, so maybe 25 is like a stupid number. I apologize for that. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think point I'm trying to make is I think we could easily be like a top five assist team in the NBA. Um, and Lonzo is going to be a huge part of that. I'm also really, really excited because he moves so well off the ball. Like we've all seen how well BI has, has done. Um in this offense and and feeding off of LeBron and how efficient he's been because of that. I think Lonzo could be the exact same thing. Lonzo has a knack for openings and he's super active and alert offensively. And he's, he's always cutting. And we saw it even last year with him and a bunch of dudes who were not good passers at all. And they were able to find him for backdoor cuts a lot and, and easy buckets. And, uh, and I think his strength that he built up over the summer is going to help him finish in those situations even even better. So I'm, I'm super excited for everything he's going to bring. Um, he should improve. This is crazy that this is a 21-year-old, but assuming he plays like he did last year, but maybe hopefully, quote, uh, hopefully fingers crossed, a little bit better offensively, he is going to make a huge impact for us on both ends. Um, it's not like we're giving one and, you know, taking a little bit here and giving a little bit there. I I think he could be a huge net positive for us on both ends. Um, So I'm pretty excited to see it. Yeah, let's talk about defensively. Just the one, his defensive rebounding and just his instincts getting the break started on those leak outs. And hopefully, I mean, right now guys are getting past our guards, most especially Josh Hart right now. But I guess just what, what aspect will Lonzo bring with his innate defensive awareness that you think will help this team? Obviously, I think he'll help 
most especially with the rebounding. Um, Rondo is, at the end of the day, uh, he's averaging five rebounds, which is great, but he is still, at the end of the day, only six foot one, and Lonzo Ball at six foot five is just more dynamic on that end. Um, yeah, what do you think he'll help out? Do you think it'll be enough to just like, shore, shore up some of their, their problems right now, perimeter-wise? Um, yeah, I think it's going to play a huge, he's going to play a huge role in, in shoring up the perimeter defense. Lonzo has incredibly active hands and he gets a lot of steals, but he's not one of these like suicide steal artists. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like he gets his, his steals in the following way. Like when the, uh, when he is a rotate, like help man on a pick and, uh, pick and roll, you'll see Lonzo pop out of nowhere and strip the ball off the guy's leg. Like he does that all the time. His hands are super active in the, in the, in the paint getting, um, getting strips. And that's something where even if weirdly, even if you look at like his college or not college, even his high school clips, you'll see him doing stuff like that. Like he always had super quick hands. Um, he also has such good anticipation that he just jumps passing lanes and disrupts plays so much. Um, Rondo is a very, very good defender, and we have seen flashes of Rondo doing that kind of stuff this preseason. Like, he's so smart, and he sees things so far ahead that he'll just be in the middle of the passing lane before the ball's even thrown. Um, but Rondo is, like, 32 and a veteran. Um, Rajon Rondo is not giving 100% defensive effort right now. Um, so, you know, that will improve as the season progresses for him because he knows when to ramp it up. But having a guy like Lonzo out there who's 21 years old and is super, like, eager and active is is just going to shore things up that much more. And, yeah, he can switch. Like you said, although Rondo's a very solid defender, Lonzo is 6'6 with a 7-foot wingspan. And uh, and that makes a huge, huge difference defensively versus you can be the strongest, you know, longest 6'1 point guard in NBA history, but you're, you're still 6'1", so. Yep. And then offensively, obviously, whether it's Rondo or Lonzo, who's coming off the bench with that second unit, I mean, he's just going to put everything into order as it should be, even if he is with Lance Stevenson. You know, he, he knows where to be at all times, get guys in the right places. It's just going to solve a lot of the problems that people are complaining about. Lance Stevenson getting 20 minutes, him with the ball in his hands most of the time. Lonzo Ball will help in that respect. He'll help initiate pick and rolls for himself instead of, you know, Lance Stevenson dancing in the corner here, if that's what you're worried about. So I'm just excited at the ways that he's going to amplify the good things that we're already doing and decrease some of the things that, you know, could find some regression. You know, the Lance stuff, I admit it. To your point about the assists last year, the Lakers were actually seventh in assists last year with uh, 23.8. And in the preseason so far, they are averaging 24.3. So that's 24.3 assists yeah. without Lonzo Ball yet. You know, so that's I, yeah. very so I encouraging. Think they could easily be. So yeah, well, 25 now seems like conservative, but but still, <laughs> like it would still be a nice uh, upgrade over last, you know, bump up over last year. But I think we could be even better than that then. Yeah, absolutely. With the pace going even higher and also LeBron James playing his normal assortment of minutes, uh, Lonzo Ball being in the fray and all that stuff. I think it's it's going to be fun when, when Lonzo comes into town. Uh, are we play, what are we playing on Wednesday, by the way, against the Warriors? Las Vegas. 
Las Vegas. There you go. So that should be fun. With that said, we have gone a little long with too much land stuff. I know people are going to complain about that, but whatever. Um, With that said, thank you guys for listening. We're excited for the Lakers regular season to start, for the NBA regular season to start. Uh, Pretty soon, everything will come back into order with uh, ZO2. ZO, get off, get off. Hey, yo, hey, yo, yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Young Drip King. Young Drip King. Young Drip King. Drip, drop, drip. Peter patter Peter okay we're done (laughs) all right uh with that said as usual please follow us on twitter at lakers legacy pod please rate and review us on itunes the more you rate and review us that's how many sauce drips we'll be getting from brandon ingram whatever that means um so saucy so drippity droppity uh all right with that said we will catch you guys next time and uh usher you guys into the regular season peace out tommy later let's say you just bought a house bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents Which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.